We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If I ventured in the slipstream This episode of Inside Golf Podcast is brought to you by RickRunGood.com. All the stats, tools, and info that I will be discussing on the podcast can be found over at RickRunGood.com. Now is an incredible time to sign up with the golf season in full gear. Oak Hill right around the corner. I'll have a ton of great info on that golf course exclusive to the site. You get the most comprehensive fantasy embedding focused statistical golf database on the internet. We have live DP world tour corn Ferry tour results. I'll say this again. If you are making a model with only limited PGA tour data, no strokes gained for the masters, none from the corn Ferry tour or DP world tour. It's not an accurate model, not even close. And it's not going to be taken seriously. I don't, I certainly don't take it seriously. Uh, Rick Run Good is the only place where you have access to generate models on the site with all of the data from all the different tours, plus my premium articles every single week. Course breakdowns where I run through my entire model, which identified Nick Hardy and Davis Riley as the biggest value on the board. That was absolutely a pure model play, plus season-long fantasy golf rankings and my Wednesday DraftKings final thoughts article where I run through what to do with the weather, latest ownership projections, my core plays, which three of them finished in the top six last week. I had the nuts times a thousand last week at the Zurich. Uh, And of course, I did not play a single DraftKings lineup because it was Zurich week and I didn't have time on Wednesday night, but got some great messages from those who tailed the article. It wasn't just Riley and Hardy. We were all over Neesmith and Moore, Sungjae and Mitchell. Something about that event, because this happened last year too. I put minimal effort into it compared to regular PGA Tour events, and it always ends up being one of my most profitable weeks of the season. So now is an incredible time to sign up. We're hot. I feel like I see, I'm seeing things really well again. Uh, and you can sign up to get access to all of my premium content at rickrungood.com dash Andy. Type in Andy in the coupon code section. That is the important part if you want to help me out. And we would love to have you as part of the team. All right, coming up on this podcast, 
Speaking of Rick Rungood, I'm bringing on Michael Cavalunas, who does the outstanding ownership projections for our website to talk Mexico Open. I actually think this is a really fun one. I like a situation where there's a clear top player like Rom because I think it creates an interesting debate of whether to play or fade him. Plus, all of our DraftKings picks, bets, and much more. So without further ado, let's bring on Cav. All right, Michael Cavalunas is here. He has been on the podcast before multiple times, I believe. We actually hired him. I poached him because I thought that his ownership projections were so good. Uh, so now he does all the ownership for rickrengood.com. And it's good to have you, man. We haven't, I, and this is entirely my fault. Although I told you, do not Twitter DM me. I do not check my Twitter DMs. You have my cell phone number. Text me. But how have things been going for you um, since you started doing ownership for us? Well, ownership of Rick Rungood has been spectacular. <laughs> I mean, it's really special. Like the, the numbers that we are creating compared to the rest of the industry is phenomenal. Uh, like like our 1% in terms of our error margin is probably the best in the industry. And I feel like, you know, the RSQ rating, which is basically your overall rating and, and closest it can be in terms of accuracy. The only reason it's a little bit off is because Rick and I, for the first four tournaments of the season, we're not in sync with what we do with withdrawals. Yeah. So that affected necessarily everyone. But like, we're very high. I think it was last I checked 93%. So we are phenomenally crushing ownership. So good that Rick was like, hey, we probably need some showdown ownership. We need some corn fairy tour ownership. We need some live ownership. I'm like, whoa, slow your roll. But we've, uh, <laughs> we've, uh, you know, I, I promised him early in the year that I was going to work on showdown ownership. And, and slowly we've been on, uh, kind of unveiling that. Um, it's a lot better in those round three, round four showdown projections. Round two needs some work, I'm going to be honest, but you know we're getting there. And then you know, from there, we're going to expand and we're going to keep working on the Corn Fairy Tour. And the idea is to build basically an advantage to anyone who looks at ownership on rickrungood.com for any slate, any contest, any you know tour, lack of a tour, I guess, at live, but needless to say, you'll see the ownership and you'll have leverage to the field. Okay. You're going to get mad at me because you always ask me, you always ask me, prepare, prepare me for what you're going to ask me. And then I throw <laughs> curveballs, but I genuinely, I, I don't, I, I think of these questions when you're talking as follow-ups, because I thought what you said was interesting there. I'm curious if since working, since starting doing ownership for us, have you noticed any industry-wide trends or things that have changed maybe this year on the PGA Tour compared to last year? Because you've been doing this for a while. I mean, I don't know how many years you did it for Fanshare, but you have been at this for a while. And like, for example, to give you an example of what I'm talking about in betting terms, like there has been a far greater uh, percentage of the top of the board hitting recently in the past year from an outright betting perspective on the PGA tour. Have you noticed any industry wide trends in terms of ownership, in terms of stuff that you're seeing this year? The biggest changes would be who ends up kind of becoming like the flavor of the season. Uh, before this, like prior to kind of where Fino is now, he used to always come in at 20, 25%. 
Yeah. And now, depending on his form, depending on his course fit, that's been fluctuating a lot more. Fleetwood kind of used to be one of those like DFS darlings, they call them. Not anymore, not for a couple of years, but that's changed a lot. But in terms of like Rom and someone like uh, Scheffler, because like this is one of my favorite seasons watching these guys dominate. I know it's bugging everyone who's betting outrights, but just from a golf standpoint, it, it's yeah. a pretty special year. You see that greatest effect based on tournament selection. So while, you know, we might project ROM this week anywhere from 50 to, you know, 70%, depending on, you know, what number I come up with on Wednesday, but like that number could be damn near 95% in a single entry. So I don't think a lot of people are taking into the account that these projections are for like MME contests. You know, when we get to a major, it's for the Millie. When we did the Masters, it was intended for the Millie contest and what ownership would be. And our projections were spot on. But that's where you're seeing the greatest difference is that people are willing to eat that chalk in those single entry and three max contests, I think, more than before, especially when guys are winning. Um, To be honest, yes, players today are sharper. There's more information out there. There's a a better edge for the Mm -hmm. casual player. But with that edge comes ownership that may not be lucrative to play. So like, for example, if you're playing single entry this week, your your main decision, your number one decision is, do you eat the 80% single entry John Rahm or do you go to the 20% and hope that, man, that guy's probably pretty tired and he's going to cash it in this weekend. And even if he makes a cut, he's only going to finish top 40. So it's all game theory when it comes down to it. Literally today, when I ran ownership, I adjusted every single player in the field to an ownership I felt comfortable to. Nothing ran through my model and was produced. It was a it was a manual adjustment on every single player, all based on game theory and what I thought the way it would fall out initially. Okay, so let's just have that conversation because that was that was what I was actually most interested to talk to you about this week is to ROM or not to ROM. And I was comparing it to last year. This is completely coincidental, but you were on for this tournament last year. I didn't even realize. And the big difference that I see in terms of the ROM situation last year versus this year, it's similar in a lot of ways. The field strike is similar. Obviously, the player is similar. But some of the key differences are, firstly, ROM is coming in in way better form than he was to this tournament last year. I mean, he's won seven of his last 14 events. It might be six of his last 14 events. And the other key difference, and honestly, I really applaud DraftKings for this, and I've been shouting this from the rooftops, that I actually wish they took more swings in terms of the way that they priced their top guys and made people make more decisions on weeks when we have weaker fields. But he's $1,200 more expensive. He's a $12,000 golfer. And I mean, even the field is even feels the field honestly is honestly a little bit worse than last year too there's like four players in the top 100 in the entire field so uh my question to you is are you your two-part question in mme in you know the five dollar in the one that you do primary ownership for rick run good where where is your gut instinct on a monday afternoon evening of where he comes in at. And then second part of the question is how do you feel personally about his chances this week and, and your interest in deploying him in your lineups? 
Rom, right now I have at 50% ownership and I'm <laughs> under projecting him. I really feel like I'm under projecting him. And that number's probably going to go up unless something out there says, nope, that doesn't work because the builds just don't work. You really don't think at 12K that deters some people? No, because look at this field. You already said it. Yeah. No one's here. Yeah. So you play John Rahm and then you hope you get lucky with some scrub down here in the low sevens. You know, people aren't afraid to play 6K guys. So like the question then is, depending on how that final ownership shakes out, right? If it's like 40%, then yeah, I'm going to play the best player in the world and I'm going to go overweight on him and I'm going to go 80% to everyone's 40%. Now, if he comes out at 70, 80%, no, I'm going to feed him. I'm going to take that leverage and hope that he stinks. The problem is, is like, you can listen to what they say. Like, for example, last week, I did had no interest in Jordan Spieth because of what he said to the media after the Masters. I've been playing too much. I'm exhausted. I have no desire to just kind of like get to the golf course and practice anymore. But look what he did last week. Yeah. Right. But he did run out of gas. Yeah. I guess. And I, so the point being, though, finishing second place and you fade Jordan Spieth, you know, it kind of hurts the lineup. So it's really just comes down to ownership. Where I see John Rahm this week, my best athletes in the world always want to win and they always mm-hmm. compete. There's no doubt in my mind that John Rahm would not be here willing to cash it in, especially at, you know, in his prime. I think John Rahm comes here to compete. Can he do it? It's a different course setup. The things John Rahm can do on this course, everybody else can as well. Mm-hmm. The difference between John Rahm and the rest of the field is when you look at a course like Augusta and he's in the rough on a par five and needs to hit the green in order to putt for Eagle, he can do it when someone like Corey Connors can't. Yeah. If that makes sense. So it's really going to shake down the ownership. Yeah. It's going to shake down ownership. I think the the ease of the course really levels the playing field to a certain degree. Right. I'm not going to go sit there and say that Robbie Shelton can match up with, with John Rahm, you know, tournament to tournament. One of my favorite losers to bet. (laughs) (laughs) But, but I'm saying if they're both 200 yards out on an easy golf course, while Rom is the better player, it's not like this distinct advantage that Shelton can't hit the ball closer to the pin on that right. shot at that moment. Right. Um, and by the way, I'm not endorsing Robbie Shelton over John Rom. That was a that was a hypothetical. <laughs> um, okay, couple couple good points that you made. I generally tend to agree with you on the golf course. I think that John Rom has a way bigger advantage over the rest of the field at a course like Augusta, Bay Hill, Riviera, even Torrey Pines, because that those are all golf courses that do a really good job of separating elite tee to green play from moderate and average tee to green play. And this golf course does not really do that. It's pretty wide open off the tee. We're talking about 40-yard wide fairways. The biggest defense of this course is really the pure length of it. It's just long, but as I've said a million times on this podcast and all my articles, length is not what makes golf courses difficult for PGA Tour pros. Firm and fast conditions, difficult pin positions, um, thicker rough in certain places, hazards. Those are the types of things that make really specific, especially firm and fast conditions. Like that's, that's what really makes golf difficult at the professional level because it's a lot harder. It takes a lot of control out of their hands and it's a lot harder to simulate 
their driving range shots that they have become so good at when the ball is on the ground more and has a more unpredictable outcome. It's a whole other podcast. But point being, this golf course is still, in my opinion, when I break it down, maybe the most distance biased golf course on the PGA Tour in terms of like all you like you have a really good advantage if you are really long off the tee at this golf course more so than most most golf courses on the PGA Tour and you look at the leaderboard last year and it's Finau, Rom, Kitayama, Cameron Champ, right? And so it's not to say that Rom doesn't fit this course because he's one of the 10 longest players in the field and the best long iron player in the field as well. He does fit this course. This is a good skill set course for him. And if the wind blows and it's like a 12 under par tournament instead of a 20 under par tournament, then suddenly I think it's like actually a really good golf course for John Rob. But as you said, there are so many players in this field, 143 of them that are still going to have tons of opportunities on this golf course. Like just examples, like it's just like if Joseph Bramlett has a plus five putting week, like it's just, there's, there's, whereas at Augusta, of course, history is an aspect and experience and all these different things that you do not have that at this course. So does that make sense? It does make sense. And, and I'm so happy that you kind of highlighted the distance narrative because i think it's 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 pushing everyone in that direction it's actually um, probably people <coughs> the pendulum probably is swinging too far huh i agree because i looked at last year's like top 30 i would say like top top 33 and you know you look at someone like brandon Wu, he's not long off the tee no and then you look at someone like lipsky he was in the top 10 he's not long Ches Reeve, someone like uh, Novak, Melnati, Adam Long, Kadira, Bird, you know, Kelly Kraft. They're not long off the tee necessarily, but they competed here last year for top 30 finishes. And probably some of those guys I mentioned were in the perfect lineup. And there's no way, you know, you're going to sit there and say Kadira is long off the tee. So it, it's interesting if you're going to play that whole driving distance narrative and i think it's really good to pigeonhole people into their lineup builds if that's the strategy that they're going to follow i think a good way to get different actually is to look at ball striking yeah just ball I mean, and and like long iron play too because i mean like it really doesn't like if john rom hits the ball 330 off the tee and he has 160 yards in on a par four and somebody hits it 20 yards less than rom but and has 180 yards but he's really good from that distance. I mean, it honestly actually doesn't really matter how far you hit it. It matters how you play on long golf courses and how good you are on approach from certain distances. Can I give you the case to not play ROM to play 0% ROM? Cause that's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm sure if you listen to last year's show, you're going to say the same thing I said, but go ahead. <laughs> that's actually true. The case hasn't changed much, right? I mean, honestly, you know, the thing about Rom, in fairness, and I think we've learned about Rom, is that he's an incredibly loyal guy. He shows up for his responsibilities. I don't know if he would, I, I if he, 
he won this tournament last year. I think it's safe to say he would not be playing this tournament if he didn't win. I think there are even scenarios on the PGA tour where even if he won, like, I don't know if it's a lock that he goes back to the Amex next year because the Amex isn't in a Spanish speaking country. So it's not even just that he won this tournament last year. He does feel a responsibility playing in a Spanish speaking country. This is something he's talked about. He plays nonsense events on the DP world tour in the fall swing in Spain, because it means so much to him. And he talked about that was the reason why he was here last year in such a shit field. So there's that aspect of it. And there's the masters aspect of it, where when you win the masters and, and Rom Rom too, like I actually foresee what happened at the heritage being similar this week where he can show up with the, I mean, he could literally finish top 15 here blindfolded, but he shows up at the heritage with his C game and finishes in the top 15. And I think that outcome of Rom finishing somewhere in between fifth and 20th to me is more likely than him finishing top three. And guess what? By the way, if John Rom wins the tournament, and you play him, it's still not any guarantee that you win any money on DraftKings because 50% of the field did the exact same thing. And now you better hope that your other five is better than their other five. Whereas if you don't play Rom, and by some chance he does finish T17 and gets beat by, say, Finau or a couple of 9K guys, which I think absolutely is in the range of outcomes, you are immediately in such a better position than 50% of the field. And unless I feel with hundred percent certainty that Rom is going to win, like I, you know, I felt stronger that Rom would win the masters than I do this event. I'm just never going to play somebody at this ownership. And I said the exact same thing last year, as you mentioned, and Rom ended up winning and I faded him. And I still ended up having a really good week on DraftKings with a cheaper and lower owned Tony Fidel as my guy who finished second and made just as many birdies. And I think I had this conversation with Kobe last year too, who was also in the camp of fading Rom. And he almost won a ton of money last year at this tournament fading Rom, even when Rom won. So your range of outcomes or range of potential possibilities, I guess would be how I would describe it, to me is stronger if you don't play him. That was a mouthful. Sorry. Well, the the leverage is different, right? Because a lot of those contests are going to have the same exact builds and they're going to look at the same values of certain players and certain pricing tiers and you're not going to get much diversity. But the moment you fade that ownership is where you get different. But you did luck out. If you didn't have Finau finishing second and basically scoring damn near the amount of points that Rom did, you weren't cashing anything. So True. like you still have to get that one yes. guy and a little bit of luck. I will I will say this. Rom is what one of two people who hasn't missed a cut yet this year, right? In this field. I think George, I think McNeil Finau's is the, the other. other. Isn't it Finau the other guy? No, Finau missed two. Oh, he missed. Are you counting match play? Right? He or he missed that. Well, Rom he missed, missed the match. That. Rom missed that too. Well, no, we're not counting the match play. Let's look up okay. Finau here. Finau missed this year, not not the 2023 calendar year, but he missed the okay, farmers. Get out of here with your false swing. Hey, he missed the farmers, and he missed the uh, farmers. Is Tory Pines? Didn't he finish top he missed, five there? Maybe I got the wrong year. Yeah, got the wrong year. 
So yeah, so he missed the WWT Worldwide Technology. He missed one. Okay, yeah, tropical golf course, Greg. But <laughs> there we go. Um, and then of course McNeil, McNeil missed one or hasn't missed one, but he's only played one tournament. So you got that going for you. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, Rom's lowest finish is 39. And of course, if he finishes 39th and he's 80% owned, everyone's dead in the water who rostered him. So that's kind of what you're hoping for. I take a T17. I take a T9 fading Rom. If Rom finishes ninth, I'm confident enough in the way that I build DraftKings lineups and and that I will get some of the guys at the bottom right. That if Rom finishes ninth this week, I think I will do well. Well, let me ask you this question. You know, if you're not playing Rom, say the other 50% or the 40% that aren't playing Rom, are you are those people absolutely playing Finau? Like, what does Finau come in at? Or do you see some? I like Finau a lot. I will have lineups where I play neither of them. But how much does Finau's ownership you think compare to Rom's? It depends on where Rom finishes. If Rom's up to like 60, 70, 80%, Finau's going to be down in that 30, 40% range. Right now, I underprojected him at 35%. Oh, and that's still a lot. But I do it on purpose because I want to make sure that I get all the value plays right first before I start manipulating Chuck. Because let's say that I think Rom's going to be 58%. Well, I don't need to know that he's 58% when I got him right now at 50%. That's not a massive miss, right? Everyone already knows John Rahm is wrong. But if I look at Grayson Sig and I project him for like 3% when he's actually 10%, that's a huge error on my side. So I don't know. Wednesday, it'll be better. You know, I, I projected, I think I'll project it three or four more times tomorrow, you know, two or three more times on Wednesday. And, and we'll finally get those, you know, numbers rounded out. But 35% for Tony Fino. That's where we're at right now. Can I give you a bold prediction? I think those guys are going to, I think, I don't, I don't know. I don't listen to the other podcasts. I guess, I guess it depends what I, I, I will say this. I guarantee you, I'm not the only podcast that's fading Rom though. I know there will be sharp DraftKings players that won't play him because there are people that are going to look at, uh, they're going to look at that like I do. Now, most of those people don't have podcasts, but some do. But I, I I had it. You're way more in depth with this than I am. But my guess, what I was going to say, is that Rom is like 40 and Finau is like 28. Because I, I really thought, more so than you, and maybe I need to reassess, I really thought the 1,200 was a big difference. Because when I started building... ROM lineups and looking at the 6K players, it's really bad. I mean, like it's, it's some of these guys. I mean, it, it obviously this field's top heavy because of ROM and Finau, but I usually am able to find some gems in the 6K range. And even I was struggling this week to make cases for guys. I think I have one guy currently in my player pool in the 6K range, which is odd for me. But Brandon Matthews didn't do it for you. Well, Brandon, I guess he's the <laughs> he's he's the obvious one that everyone's going to do, right? Because he's the longest player on tour. No, it's like Chris Stroud or somebody, somebody, somebody weird. But yeah, I mean, I just think it's, I, I think it's, I think it gets. I mean, these are names that people don't know. <laughs> but th this is where other shows are going to come into play. Yeah. Um, specifically to Rick Show and. 
and Mayo show. Mayo's off this week. Oh, he's off this week. So That's Rick's show saying. specifically, everyone's going to be, God, he's going to get a lot of views. All right. So I we got this one does too. Yeah. <laughs> we got like someone like, like if people are going to talk up Kyle Westmerlin, right? Yeah. I think Tambo's show too. I'd put that in that category. Right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, someone like James Hahn, Carson I could Young. See him, I could see him fading Rom too. It's a guess. I don't know. I haven't spoken to him, but I could I could see that. I don't really ever like whenever I listen to Tambo on the show, he never takes those hard stances. Yeah. If that makes sense. He never says, No, I'm fading this, I'm fading this. He's more um because they record so early, he's he's not there, I think, in his process to where he's like set in stone on what he's going to do with his lineup construction. Right. But he does tweet out a lot in terms are, of like giving you hints what he's going to do. Yeah. Are people saying on like is because I haven't looked on Twitter as much to it. I know this is part of the ownership, but like, is this a Twitter situation where everyone's being like, oh, because I the only guy I've really talked to is Brian. And he is like, I'm betting without ROM markets. He's like, I think Rob's going to win. And so, and, and so maybe, maybe that's a pop. I mean, he, he pushes weight too. So maybe that's a popular opinion that people are just like, this is, this is over before it started. I'm not even going to fuck around with betting markets without Rob. He is an automatic free square in DraftKings and figure the rest out later. In a way, he is a free square. It's going to be, I'll tell you this much for the next few days, I'm going to be pulling my hair out, trying to decipher <laughs> what everyone's going to be doing with John Rom. And to be honest, I don't really take in a lot of content to kind of decipher where he's going to like unfold. I don't, you know, scour Twitter looking for any ins and outs on ownership. Kind of, It's misleading. Yeah. Big time. But <laughs> If all of a sudden you see people betting crazy, like I had to take the number on Rom, I had to take him when he was, you know, four to one, and people start doing that, well, I'm like, they're probably going to take him in DFS. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. 
at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So we'll see. We'll see. Being a dead horse here, though. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. Let's talk about, so who do you like in the 9k range? 9k range is very interesting. And I I got a couple guys for different reasons. One of them is like, like if you're looking for guys who can just win with the putter, Mm -hmm. Mav McNeely kind of fits that bill for me. He's going to be single digits for sure. Right. uh, Right now I got him at 12, 12%, 12%. And then another guy who fits like the putting model would be like someone like Alex Noren. I think a lot of guys are just going to gravitate towards Gary Woodland and Wyndham Clark because of the driving distance. Yeah. Like that, that's what a lot of people are going to do in these 9K range. And well, you're not going to. People love, yeah. people love Hoshgard this week too. Absolutely. So, like, so how do you deviate from that ownership if they're going to start getting a little bit like higher owned? And so, like, you go to someone like Patrick Rogers, who's an excellent ball striker. He's long off the tee. Um, he finished 10th here last year. Um, the other thing I like about Patrick Rogers, he finished 19th at the RBC, fifth at the Valero after having a miscut at Corrales. So like he's coming in in pretty good form and people are going to fall in love with their guys. Like you're going to look at Gary Woodland and some people might start their builds there if they are fading Rom, because they'll see the 14th at the Masters, 31st at the RBC Heritage, and they'll want to play him with a 24th finish, you know, last year here. So Again, this 9K range for me is going to be leveraging ownership because I see a lot of the similarities in all these players to where if you're going to be getting, you know, 18, 19% Gary Woodland, that's not where he's at, by the way. I only got Wyndham Clark up that high. Like, why wouldn't I just go down to Patrick Rogers and play the 9%, 10% or go down to Pendrith and play the 9%? Like, no it's a game. No one's going to play Pendrith. No. No, but again, he fits that bill of what I talked about with ball striking and kind of the narrative of distance, you know, just driving distance and being uh, that he's never played here, being that he's missed two cuts, no one's going to play him. So, I mean, Pendrith is one of those leverage plays that you can most definitely take advantage of. You know, I got to say, from a stats perspective, Wyndham Clark does a lot for me. Um, now that is not my only criteria for playing somebody. Um, although it does feel a little, I kind of felt this way about Luke Lest uh, last year at the farmers where he showed up as number like I have, my numbers have Wyndham Clark higher, even I have him two higher than Finau, obviously behind Rom, but that's what happened with Luke Lest at the farmers a year ago. He was one ahead of Rom and all these elite players. And I was like, there's no way it's Luke Lest. And then it's like, oh, literally the most obvious thing on a similar golf course, a similar player profile, um, literally the most obvious thing happened, way to overthink it. Um, And so I statistically cannot find a reason to not play Wyndham Clark outside of the ownership. But wouldn't you say, like if you're fading, the builds that you want to avoid are Rom Clark, Rom Woodland, but you can play 
Clark and Woodland together. And don't you still think that gives you some options? Absolutely. I think it does. Wyndham Clark statistically, metrically, absolutely fits the bill here. But I mean, we're we're talking an ownership game, right? Mm -hmm. So let's just compare him to Patrick Rogers. Obviously, I have an affinity for him. But Rogers is great statistically too. He's number four for me. Right. So this this just this season, okay. Wyndham Clark ranks 13th in birdie average. Rogers ranks fifth in the field. Yeah. I think that's pretty significant. Yeah. When you look at par fives, Wyndham Clark ranks third, Rogers ranks fourth. Mm. One of the key factors for me when I looked at last year's stats were players who had rounds in the 60s and where they ranked in 2022. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I noticed there was a correlation to success here in the top 30 of players who were in the top of the field in 2022 and rounds in the 60s. Rogers ranks third in the field. Now, again, that's limited stats at this point for that particular PGA um, statistic, but still it's something that I have my eye on in terms of going to Rogers. It's going to be lower owned than Wyndham Clark and he's cheaper. You think that, okay, these are my guesses. Tell me how off I am. I would go, I would still say Rogers ends up being like 13, 14%. I'd say Clark is like 19 and Gary's like 17, 18. And Hogarth's 16, 15, 16. And then McNeely is like nine or 10. And Pendrith is like four. Right now, we have a pretty balanced out. Okay. With with Wyndham Clark getting about 18% ownership. Okay. The rest anywhere from nine to 10. Okay. And Benny on actually getting 11% ownership just because it's Benny. Um, and Didn't people you like nail the, that one last week. Didn't you have him really high? And then he came in really high. I did. I, I did. I, I knew it. Yeah. And I didn't trust it. I don't think people love their Benny on. They love it. Thanks for not trusting me. <laughs> Thanks for admit that on the show. I appreciate that. Well, you had but, him really like, high and you were right about it. You had him at like, didn't he come in at like, I can look back. I know Skylar tweets it out every week. Didn't he come in at like 25%? It's like pretty high. I don't know if it was yeah. that high. Yeah. Anyway, you nailed that one. Yeah. So there is, there's always like a silent, silent Benny Hive. I, the thing is, is the reason that at this point in time, I have it such like so balanced out is that if, if Rom does come in with the ownership that I'm anticipating, people are smart enough to go, okay, we need to get different. Mm-hmm. And they're going to look at other sites that have ownership and they'd be like, oh, Wyndham Clark, 21%. Okay, I'm not going to play him. I'm going to go somewhere else in this 9K range. And that's going to even that that ownership span out. Like, I would love it if Rodgers came in single digits. I don't think it'll happen, but... That'd be awesome. Because I like him a lot, too. I bet him at 36 to 1. Yeah. Um, I think he opened on MGM at like 30 to 1. That was the best number I could find him. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like you're going to just get used to eating some pretty disgusting numbers on guys that haven't won PGA Tour events. There's not that many players. I mean, you could we could talk all we want about how, uh, how are you betting Patrick Rogers at 35 to 1? He's never won on the PGA Tour. There's like seven players in this field that are like relevant right now that have won on the PGA Tour. So yeah, I understand that. But look at Rogers' numbers. Look at the way that he's playing. And compare that to 
the quality of play that is coming in at some of the higher numbers. And I get it. I bet long shots too, for sure. But I do think, I do think that Rogers can win this tournament. I think that he is statistically in one of the best positions logically to find himself in contention along with guys like Wyndham Clark and Gary Woodland. And I think the Hoge guard thing's a little, a little much for me right now. What do you think about him? It's a little bit much, but people will find that flair over the month. They think he's not known because he doesn't any qualified PJ stats. So they're going to get away with something. I, I just don't know if it's that sharp of a play. I don't think, I think so a, either. I think a better play would be like Pendrith. Yeah. Because, oh, for sure. Because he's coming off a missed cut, but he he gained like half a stroke on approach, I think, at the heritage. It's just he just putted terribly. Mm-hmm. So I'll take advantage of that. And I'd rather I I guess, you know, looking at someone like McNeely, if you're gonna look at the heritage like the RBC heritage, not taking Zerk into account, but he almost lost one and a half strokes on approach. So that's just a note I want to make on on that pricing tier with maybe bounce back candidates, but yeah, I, I'm really loving Patrick Rogers. I'm, I'm assuming I'm going to triple, quadruple ownership with him this week. I made just in my builds. Um, all right, 8K range. Let me ask you this: Do you see anybody in this range emerging as overwhelming chalk? No. Yeah, this is usually a dead zone, huh? Especially the low 8K range. I just think the way that people build that gets neglected a bunch. And I could see that happening again this week with guys like S.H. Kim, Mark Hubbard, who's notoriously short, Shelton, as you mentioned earlier. I actually like MJ. Is it Duffy? Yeah, the Duff man. Or is it Duff? Come on. I mean, it's spelled like Dafu. Right, but we, we it's the Duff man. We, okay, all right. we got this the Simpsons meme that's yeah. all over the internet whenever he's winning and dominating. So, okay. yeah, MJ Duffy. I will tell you who I like. I like Emiliano Grio. I like I Alex Smalley. I can't, I can't, I can't and I like, I like Stefan Yeager. Do I have to worry about ownership with any of those three? You don't have to worry about ownership with anything. Maybe Yeager gets some steam. Yeah, I can maybe. See that. Everyone loves to play him because when he does do well, it's just it's smoking hot golf. Right. He's just a guy that just tears up the course. Grio might get some love towards the end of the week because when he does typically when Grio gets like picked on by by some of the touts, like his ownership does elevate itself. But again, you're looking at like a group of guys that price is misleading. Like you're just gonna assume that Aaron Aaron Rye at 8900 is that much better than Alex Smalley. I'm just not going to buy it. I'd yeah, rather go to like someone either. like 8,400 for, for Alex Smalley and casual players anyways are going to, are going to look at salaries and they're going to justify like, Oh, okay. That guy's priced more. We're going to most definitely roster him, but people are going to look at guys like Grio. I know you have interest in him. I don't, I'm sick of riding that train. I could be but, talked um, off of him. No, it's just no firm just, stances for me on Grio ever. It's just Grio. I just uh, like, if you, if you roster him and you win, good for you. Like yeah. I'm gonna give you a pat on the back, but like Grio Smalley, if you look at someone like um, like Jaeger Smalley, yeah, um, even even Matt Wallace, like people look at their driving distance stats and see that they're kind of in the middle. But if you're 44th in this field, you're hitting that ball a pretty long way. Yeah, 
like it's not like you're that much shorter than John Rom to where it's causing you such a disadvantage in your game. And that's what gets kind of lost in this range. But someone like Aaron Rye, who ranks 77th in the field, you look at Andrew Putnam, who ranks 98th in the field in driving distance, like those guys could potentially get lost in those par fives when people are shoot, putting for eagle and they're hoping to make birdie. So I think ball striking, though, is such a good way to get different here. And then another thing to do is look at just that birdie average. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk this big, big 7K range. I mean, what about here, too? I'll ask you the same question. Is there anybody that you see emerging as overwhelming? Like, do you, does anybody, who are the guys that have the potential in your mind to maybe cross 15 in the 7K range? It's going to be hard for anyone in any range to get that high. Yeah. Because so much of the ownership is going to the top two. Yeah. So, like right now, I have a majority of it going to Harry Hall. It's oh, 7,400. And I wouldn't even call it chalk, but I have Harry Hall going at 7,400 because the first thing Tambo's going to do or Rick's going to do is be like, oh, look, Harry Hall, like a nice sleeper here. We should roster him. And once someone says sleeper, take advantage, what happens? They become very popular. Again, in the 7K range, you're not going to lead me to believe that one player is so much better than the other. You can look at the stats, right? You can look at Harry Hall's stats this year. He's eighth in birdie average, third in rounds in the 60s, 12th in in par five scoring. But then if I go down to Eric Cole, who no one freaking knows, he's seventh in par five scoring. Oh, I, oh, oh, you don't have to sell me on Eric Cole. I uh, I'm just, I love me some Eric Cole. I, I just love him because I got so much of him in Rainmakers, but yeah. And like you can go down to like Andrew uh Andrew Novak, he's, he's 23rd in par five scoring. You go down to like Kevin Chappell, who is fifth in par five scoring. Now they You're may not all my guys, man, but they may not check all the boxes, <laughs> right? Like they're not gonna check all the boxes. Like, you know, Joe Schmo might be like, Oh, I can't drive the ball, so I'm not gonna play them. They can't hit it far. I mean. The numbers are there for par five scoring. We know this is par five course. You look at the easiest courses here, and other than what is it, the the two hundred ninety seven yard was at the seventh. Mm-hmm. That's the par four. Next easiest holes are all par fives. You can go back to back eagles with six and seven. Yeah, yeah, and I bet you look at that trio of bombers that are all right next to each other. And I really like Will Gordon this week. I bet Will Gordon, and actually, I bet Gordon and Bramlett. I bet Gordon at 70 and Bramlett at 90. But you have that trio at 79, 78, 78 of three guys that are priced right next to each other that all rank top 12 in this field in driving distance. One of the guys, yeah, I mean, that that trio is incredible. Like going back to like that bomber kind of idea and concept i think maddie schmidt if 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 a guy is gonna is gonna take over the ownership it's gonna be him because so that's so frustrating i was hoping people would ignore him well he's he's second in the field in driving distance we've already talked about how people are overvaluing that and he's the min price in the 7k range that 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 is like turbo fuel for oh geez yeah, no one's going to roster him because they don't know who Maddie Schmidt is, but boom, 
there you go. Then all of a sudden you get 16, 17% ownership on people who are doing ROM builds. You don't think Cameron Champ will get some of that love? He's just been too bad, huh? He's been really bad. So bad. I, I mean, I still like him, but I mean, he's he's been really bad. Like what? Well, you got how many missed cuts now in a row? Six, seven? Yeah, it's been really And it's bad. not even like the made cut before that. What did he finish? Like 59th or 60 something at the Farmers? I don't even remember what it was, but it was bad. <laughs> Well, what you could do if you're looking for distance without, I think the ownership is you think Vincent Norman's safe or you think fuckers will be on his dick too. <laughs> I think Vincent Norman's safe. You know who's not? Akshay always gets ownership. Yeah. Thanks, thanks to his. I can see that. Thanks was, to the caddy story. I mean, he always gets ownership. And he was good um, at one of these courses. I think it was either it was either Puerto Rico or Corrales. So people would do the past palm, past palm trop, tropical golf course thing with him too. That's true. I don't think that Chez is getting enough love. Ooh. I mean, especially you got almost two straight top tens. He finished eleventh RBC, sixth at the Valero. Two very different courses. And very different skill sets that you need to succeed. And he was almost top 10 in both of them. And people are going to look at his metrics because he is so bad. Um, and they're going to have no interest, especially considering he's 93rd in driving distance. But the guy, the guy hits fairways. He's, he, he can ball strike, right? And if he's on, he's on. He, he, it's not a guy that you go overweight on. And, and just to like reinforce that, he finished 13th here last year. So. Chez is going to be low owned pivot play that, you know, I think there's high risk, but when is there not? If you're trying to win a GPP, all these guys down here are high risk. I like uh, Chuck Hoffman too. Would be the only other guy I would throw out there very tentatively. Uh, He's been sneakily playing a little bit better and he is a really, he's still a really good long arm player and he's plenty long off the tee too. Well, it's him and, um, Streelman with the strokes gain old, right? Yeah. Which uh, Jimmy Walker and Piercy, all those 40 year olds down look, here. I've been playing Matt Kuchar, man, and he's been he's been he's been delivering for me. So him and Jason Dave and scrambling like motherfucker. I, I don't know if we're allowed to swear on your show, but oh my Absolutely. god. Yeah, luck, like yeah. lucking out like crazy. Um un- unsustainable, I would say. Okay, all right. Um, probably sacrilegious to go too much longer than an hour on the Mexico Open. So let's do six Ks quickly. Anyone here that has your interest? There's no chalk down here in the six K yeah. range as of now. I mean, you might get some Aaron Badley. People are gonna go that way, but I don't mind like someone like Matthias Schwab. Someone going to like if you want to get sneaky quiet, go to Brent Grant. He's yeah. good off the tee, decent enough on approach. Callum Terran, he's mm-hmm. a guy that I tend to go to. I think I think Ryan Armour is going to get highly ignored. And he's just one of those guys that's either going to score big and go crazy or he's not. I mean, he missed the cut here last year. Uh, missed the cut, the Valero, but he's another option here because the guy can just, if he's dialed in on approach, it's going to help you out. He's not terrible off the tee. He just doesn't have the distance. Um, probably doesn't even have the long irons anymore, but it's someone I'll take, take a risk on. Putters-wise, Ben Taylor. Dylan Fratelli and Echevarria. If you want to play the whole putting narrative of guys who can get hot and gain massive strokes on the, uh, on the, uh, with the broomstick. And then of course we talked about Trevor Cohn, my affinity with him and the driver Westmoreland. I think you and I both agreed on that. And then Kyle Stanley down at 6,200. 
Oh boy. But beyond that, it's it's hard it's hard to fall in love with this range, to be honest. Uh do you think anybody in this range crosses five percent? Cross yes, they're gonna have to. Okay. But again, they're all gonna be single digit owned, so it's not gonna yeah. I have a hard rule. You just don't play double digit owned six K players. Oh, you just don't. No. Yeah, yeah, absolutely not. Although I will say this, and we can go we can go out on something like this because this is more big picture. I feel like there's been less like disgusting 6K chalk where there's like a clear best price over the last year. You mean like Corey Connors at well, that's not disgusting chalk, but I was gonna say like Corey Connors at Augusta when he's like 40%. Yeah. And he's six nine. Yeah, DraftKings has done a better job better of this job. lower six K range, but I think that's in part because no one knows who these guys are. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So especially at tournaments like this, it's nearly impossible unless there's an insane misprice, which DraftKings doesn't do. Like I remember, there was one. It might have been two years ago at the Memorial where Kyle Stanley was playing a lot better at the time than he's playing now. And he was a late entry into the field and they just put him at the men when he should have been like 69 or seven or seven, one or 67. And they, he was a late out to the field and they just put him at the men and it was very highly up. So I feel like they've gotten better at stuff like that. I just, the problem, yeah, they have, but the, just you look at like the missed cuts uh, like Ben Taylor's missed eight cuts, like he's 10 of 18. Like you, you just get, yeah. like, you just get to get a lot. Who's the most consistent, maybe badly. He's probably going to get most ownership because he's nine at 12. But beyond that, I, it's hard to just lay your hand, like hang your hat on one of these guys. I like Brent Grant. I like the ability to score on, on par fives. I know it's limited sample size, but when he's had success, he's done it. Westmoreland, you can even argue Chris Stroud, get me yeah. on that, even though he's he, you know he's not the longest off the tee, but he's decent on approach, decent on par fives. Um, you know, I'm maybe doing most of my most of my fifth and sixth men in are low sevens because I'm not playing Rob, so I I I'm not. I'm not venturing down here too much this week. And I usually do. I just, I don't like it. I don't like it. Don't feel good about it. I guess the easiest way to get difference down here, because the metrics are just going to be so different everywhere yeah. is, is potentially look at par three scoring because mm -hmm. those par threes played above par last year. If you've got guys down here that you want to roster with Rom, that could potentially make the cut and hang around all weekend, maybe give you an advantage come Sunday. Like that's one way to look at it. Yeah. All right, sir. What do you, what do you, what outside of the ownership with rec on the site, which you update, you do first one run through Monday night. And then what does the schedule usually look like? I know it kind of changes every week. It really depends on the tournament um, yeah. and how much ownership needs to change, but typically two to three updates on Tuesday for just an average tournament during the masters. Mm -hmm. We updated, I think four or five times on Tuesday. Yeah. And then Wednesday, we really went at it on a major for Mexico. We might probably do three times. We'll do like a morning, a midday, and then a, a nighttime. And like I said, we might That's do the- still way more than any other site. I want to get it right. Yeah. I want to get it right. And yeah. like I like people pay hard money, hard, you know, they're good money to for yeah. Rick's, Rick's information. I want to make sure they're getting the best information possible. Yeah. 
Well, I, we appreciate that. That's why we hired you. Anything else? Cut line stuff you want to plug to before we get out of here? Uh, well, cut line. No, I mean, they're just going to listen to your show again, but you know, my <laughs> listeners who don't listen to you, I'll, I'll take your MP3 and kind of nice little intro spin that I'll do. But, um, <laughs> One thing I want everyone to be on the lookout for, and and if you're not taking advantage of it, you know, shoot me your DMs on Twitter. I'll get back to you as quickly as I can, help you out with everything that I can. But Rainmakers is is legit. Ooh. Like it is. I may just, have to have you back for a separate podcast on this then, because I'm curious. I'm intrigued. Like right now, right? Like it's 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 still early enough to where if you get involved, you can make a killing. And if you understand golf, like you can take advantage of it. A partner of mine are working on a rainmaker site. We're trying to get it up and updated and ready to roll. So keep your eye, uh, you know, keep a lookout for that. But you really have to try rainmakers. And, and I know you got a lot of people here that listen to your show. Give it a shot. If you're stuck, you don't know what the hell you're doing. Rainmakers is phenomenal. Totally untapped content market too. Absolutely. Interesting. Okay. Michael, my friend, it was great to see you, uh, and we will do it again soon sometime. hope to see you in Chicago when I'm there for that wedding, and um, best of luck to you this week, my friend. Thanks for joining me. You too. Thank you. All right. That is it for the podcast. Special thanks to rickrungood.com. Special thanks to Mike Cavalunas, and we'll be back next week for Quail Hollow, elevated event. Should be fun. Until then, best of luck with your bets this weekend, and we will see you next time. Cheers. If I ventured in the slipstream Between the viaducts of your dream Where my world steel rims crack And the ditch in the back road stop Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.